I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to mini episode 274 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have one spooky story for you today and this story comes from the 24th of February 2023 and it is from Misha. Of course out of all the paranormal stuff my family and I have experienced I pick the one that might be the most difficult to talk about. So let's just start off with all the trigger warnings, death, suicide, infant death and the death of infants with disabilities. See, in my family we have the woman, and she is a harbinger of death. In fact, due to having been a loyal listener to Real Life Ghost Stories for some time, and due to some of the events I'm about to go into, I've come to suspect more than just a little bit that she is a banshee. Honestly though, we have no idea what she is except for an omen. Everyone I've been able to speak to in connection to her has their own theory and, until recently, It never occurred to anyone that she's a banshee at all. For one thing, we're not Irish. I'm an Afrikaner, which means that I'm technically a very interesting mix of mostly European descent. Going back, my ancestry would be mostly Dutch and German, except for one interesting and potentially relevant exception. My maternal grandmother's crazy aunt was the keeper of all of our stories on that side of my family. And when we once went to visit her, she told us two things that stood out. The first was that we descended from royalty after her mother, my grandmother's grandmother, had an indiscretion with Prince Alfred of Great Britain. Secondly, that line of the family had a woman who would appear to forewarn us about death. Unfortunately, my mother shut down that talk very quickly, saying something along the lines of, Oh no, auntie, we don't believe in that stuff. When we left, my mother and grandmother giggled at the tall tales we heard that afternoon over tea. Crazy Auntie F. There was something heavy unspoken in the air, though. Auntie F had been very lucid, even though she was in her 90s at the time. Besides that, my mother had already had a run-in with the woman and all three of us in the car, me, my mother and my grandmother, knew about it. Also, there is nowhere to comfortably slip this detail in and it's relevant, so... Turns out my Auntie F was right about the Prince Alfred connection. I'm not going to go into detail here, but let's just say, for the sake of the sceptics out there, that it's a scientific, undisputable fact. And also, we're not all that special, so we see it more as a weird quirk and an explanation for a few things rather than something to brag about. Prince Alfred had a lot of fun when he came to visit South Africa back when we were still a colony. When we discovered this, it really brought home to me that the story about the woman was real. She was really somebody who appeared in my family. 
I wish I knew who else had experienced a warning from this woman, but sadly, by the time I really became interested in the story, Auntie F had passed, and the full story had slipped out of my grasp. For the longest time, this was the only appearance of the woman that I knew of. My mother's firstborns were twins, and because of some risk factors I'm not really going to go into here, the doctor had decided to deliver the babies by C-section. My mother was nervous but excited at the same time. Even in the final weeks of delivery, it hadn't been possible to tell if the babies were boys or girls because they lay too closely together, so she was looking forward to finally seeing them. Once she was booked into the hospital, the night ahead of the operation, she managed to drift off easily. This was a small hospital on a hill overlooking the town, so my mother had the ward to herself that night, and it was quiet and completely dark until a faint light fell over her. She opened her eyes. In the dusky light, she could make out a woman standing by the window, holding the vertical blinds to one side to look out on the town's lights below. My mother watched her, taking in her outline against the beautiful backdrop. The woman turned her head towards my mother and smirked. Ha! The woman scoffed. And you think you're going to have twins? My mother's heart clenched. She shot her hand out for the light switch. The light came on instantly, but the woman had vanished. To this day, my mother can't say whether she had been awake when she had seen the woman, and she prefers to believe it was simply a vivid dream that had been born of her nerves. Either way, the woman was still on my mother's mind when she woke up the day of the C-section. Impulsively, she told my father not to attend the delivery as had been planned. It was the last thing they fought about before hospital staff rolled her into the theatre, alone. When she woke up from the anaesthetics, she found my father next to her bed in tears. The babies had been taken to the provincial hospital for special treatment. They had been born conjoined, sharing crucial organs in a way that made it impossible to safely separate them. They died five days later. My mother never got to see them. I came along two years later and three years after that my brother. Like almost everyone in my maternal grandmother's line, we had both been born sensitive to spiritual things. I was a creepy kid, a very creepy kid, and since I was about 10 or 11 I have had premonitions. Most of the time they take the form of dreams. Yes, I still get them. I don't always remember all of them because it's almost like I experience my life in reverse. And then the actual event ends up becoming the memory of the thing I've experienced before in the dream. Like the thing happens and I'll just have a moment of, oh yeah, I remember the last time this happened. My brain always knows to store these dreams in the memory banks and with time I've come to figure out why. They're more real than most other dreams. They have a weight to them. They're always in the first person and there's a sense of knowing when I'm in the scene. The dream that forms part of my story is a prime example of what I mean. I was taking an afternoon nap in September 2019. I had just watched The Outlaw King on Netflix a couple of days before and was pondering the fact that Robert the Bruce is my ancestor because his daughter married into the Stuarts which meant every English royal after James I descends from him. This includes Prince Alfred. It was just a weird feeling, really. I can't remember the randomness I was dreaming when I first fell asleep. 
But then, like so many times before, there was a brief darkness before the new dream started. Think of a movie projectionist turning a movie off before putting in a new reel, and you have the idea of how it feels. Suddenly the dream went from random and dreamlike to concrete, vivid and real. For the sake of clarity, it will be easier to picture what I could see as if it's a first-person artificial reality game, because that's how it feels to me. Although I've never been there, I knew I was on a cliff in the Bavarian Black Forest. Dark pine trees filled the valley below me and the rocks I stood on were a light grey. The valley stretched out some distance both to my left and to my right, with a third branch opening out in front of me with a beautiful view. A man stood next to me. I knew that, even though I never saw him the entire time. I felt his presence. And if I think back to the dream, I can picture him off to the side, even though I never saw him in the dream itself. It's just that these dreams are layered and I'm lucid during them, so when I think about, oh, there's someone next to me, I know what that person looks like even when I don't see him. In the same way, I knew that across from us on a higher cliff to our left, there was a white castle that I could just barely make out in my peripheral vision. But I was more interested in the white, cold, rolling fog that was coming in fast from my right. I'm terrified of heights, and I don't think I would be on the edge if not for the fact that my companion was with me. But there was no way I was going to stand on a rock on the edge of a cliff with low visibility, so I slowly turned clockwise in place, tiny step for step, so I don't have to try reversing away over the rocks. I looked down at the moss and the rocks below me, as I did this, and they became obscured by the fog. At the same time, as I'm turning, I suddenly became aware that someone stood behind me. Chills raced up my back because my fear of heights doesn't do well with a stranger creeping up on us. But the person just stood there and I kept gingerly turning myself around, forced to keep my gaze down to keep my footing. The mist almost completely obscured everything by the time I'd made a full turn and sure enough when I looked up, there was a red-headed woman with high cheekbones and a fine chin grinning at me. I see her chest heave for a second before everything goes black. And then she screams. Just thinking about it makes me shudder. The scream filled every corner of my being and made my ears ring. It made my body jerk with shock to the point where I woke up. It filled me with dread and terror. The scream didn't stop. I shuddered as I listened to it absolutely cold the bone. I felt sick, small, I wanted to cry. I pinched my eyes closed and tried to breathe, but I knew what I was listening to. I don't know how and I don't know why, but the scream that rent my farmhouse's formerly peaceful silence wasn't human. It wasn't animal. It was a force of nature that was blasting me with a palpable force. For a minute, I was clenching my eyes closed and bracing myself against the force of the scream, unable to truly think until the scream suddenly stopped. One thought clatters and echoes through my brain while my ears rang. Banshee. That was a banshee. The follow-up thought was that she had interrupted my premonition dream with another omen, but the two still felt tied together, like she had a reason for doing it. Somehow I knew this was about my father's side of the family. We're of German descent, so I took the fact that the dream was set in Bavaria as a clue of who the omen was about. But even as I started praying for each person by name, another restless terror grew within me. 
This wasn't just a scream. It was many screams folded into one. Hundreds, thousands, millions. I don't have words to describe it, but even now, writing about it gives me a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. Even as I prayed, a secondary thought came through my brain fog that had settled in my brain in the scream's aftermath. This was a warning about my dad and his family. But even though I couldn't conceive it, I kept thinking one thing. How many people are about to die? By November 2019, I had caught a strange, dry cough that turned into pneumonia. By March 2020, the world was shut down for the COVID-19 pandemic. A little more than a year after that, my father's youngest brother died from COVID complications after his second vaccine. I basically spent six months bracing myself for this unknown horror that was coming. I told my mom, my brother and my maternal grandmother about it and they thought I was overreacting to a dream. But I didn't doubt it for a second. I didn't know why everyone else in my family gets the woman and I got a banshee, but a banshee it was. There was no mistaking what I heard. It was a scream that could curdle the bravest person's blood. In 2021, I started listening to real-life ghost stories and the episodes about the Banshee made me realise that Banshees take more forms than just the lone scream in the dark that I had always believed them to be. This was what made me think that maybe my family death omen and my Banshee was one and the same. But then I was still wondering where could she possibly have come from. Maybe the Banshee just took a liking to our rather strange family. Maybe it was just fate. Or maybe she's not a banshee at all. When I discussed all of this with my grandmother, she said, You know, based on the way she spoke to her mother back then, I always assumed that she's the spirit of my mother. She was a good woman, but she had a nasty, bitter streak. And I could still remember how she and my sisters take this scoffing, sarcastic tone. On my search to understand, I asked the only other person in the family line with the woman that I had easy access to and who would honestly tell me whether she had seen her. My cousin on my mother's side. She said, yes, I've seen her, but honestly I can't tell you what she warned me about because it was so traumatic that my brain wiped most of it out. All I remember was that I woke up and a lady in a 1950s style dressing gown was sitting on my bed with her one foot resting on her other thigh. Her hair was tied back into a low messy bun and all I could think was that this is a lady. That's why I don't call her the woman, but the lady. But she sat there looking at me, like she was trying to find the words to tell me something difficult. Eventually I fell back to sleep and she was gone. This is a bit of an inference from me, but I suspect this had to do with my grandfather's passing. But one other interesting thing my cousin added when I told her about my experience. It is interesting because I always thought she looked like your mom. So maybe the woman is the ghost of my great-grandmother, but I don't know. That would make her Auntie F's sister, and the way Auntie F made it sound, the woman had been around for longer than that. Also, of the three of us that have experienced woman-related death omens, I'm the one who has experienced her the most by quite a large margin. Both my cousin and my mother experienced her once. My tally is currently at three times. And all three times she was decidedly more banshee-like. That said, the second time also came with a twist. In 2021, I had moved in with a friend from university and his brother, and that night in early 2022, the two of them were visiting their dad. 
Whenever they went out, my friend had a habit of giving a very specific knock on my bedroom door when he came in, so I would know that he was home. Sure enough, I was listening to music and playing a computer game when the knock came, loud enough that I could hear it through my earphones. So I went out, already talking, Wow, you guys came home early. And I stopped and looked around. Our apartment was completely dark and empty. Emma, I'm afraid that when I realised that I was alone in the flat after having heard a knock on my door, your voice was the one in my head and it was telling me stories of how banshees sometimes knock to forewarn of death. Because the knock mimicked my roommate. I had a feeling it had to do with him, but I couldn't figure out the link. I wanted to think it was my imagination, but the next night, there was another knock on my door, this time from inside. After about two nights of knocking, I started trying to figure out why I might possibly have a banshee, mostly trying to figure out whether I had any real reason to worry about anyone dying. A chat with my roommate about how weird ancestry can be reminded me of my family link to Robert the Bruce. That night, on a hunch, I started rooting around on the internet trying to see how he might be linked to Ireland. My hunch paid off in a small way. I don't know of any other Irish roots except that Robert the Bruce is descended from Dermot McMurrow and through him Brian Boru. I think those two kings would be important enough to warrant a banshee connected to them, but even then I'm aware that it's a massive stretch that spans several countries and about a thousand years. And on top of that, it is my only known connection, but I feel like Auntie F spoke of the woman as someone who was in the family for a long time, which means that she logically predates the Alfred connection. Either way, one night I spent some time in a discord I was telling two friends, a sceptic and someone who was open to the paranormal but never experienced it, about the knocks and the link that I found and how weird I find all of this. The full sceptic was just busy explaining that maybe it was just a coincidence and my own belief inflating the knocks in my own mind, when suddenly a metallic scream sounded through my earphones. Who is that? I demanded while unsticking myself from the ceiling. What? both of them asked. It sounds like one of you just murdered a robot, I said, taking some deep breaths to bring my heart rate down. Neither of them heard anything. I took a deep breath. Okay, that does not inspire joy. It's probably just your computer glitching out on your earphones, the skeptic suggested. I agreed, grasping onto the relative safety of the normal solution. My agnostic friend laughed. Hey, Mish, maybe it's your banshee. That night, just as I was about to go to sleep, I heard a knock on my desk, which was right by my head. I launched myself up and turned on the nightlight on my desk. My cat was sitting there blinking at me. At that point, I thought to myself, okay, so it could be a banshee, could be a poltergeist, or it could be my cat being an asshole. After a second's consideration, I decided to address the woman. I'm sorry, but I don't know what you're trying to say, or even if it's you at all, but this is making it hard for me to sleep. It's making it impossible to deal with my anxiety and I have a major work trip starting tomorrow. So if it is you, could you please either stop or just tell me what you want me to know? I felt a bit rude for doing that, but I had just had enough at that point. The next day I went on the trip and went through it with no more knocking. There was still no further contact once I came home either. 
I wish I could tell you I was relieved. Instead, I was holding my breath, waiting for the shoe to drop. Less than two weeks later, a dear friend of mine, who I had met through my roommates, completed suicide. A few months later, for an unrelated reason, I decided to move in with my cousin, the one who also saw the woman. We were sitting together outside while she smoked, just chatting about things, when all of a sudden, I heard a woman scream. My heart stuttered as I jumped to my feet. What was that? I exclaimed. My cousin hadn't heard anything. Someone just shrieked. I hope it wasn't too serious. I didn't hear anything, so I guess it isn't, she said. I agreed and settled down again, even though I had a restless sense about how that scream had sounded. But then it hadn't been as loud or as terrifying as that one time. I explained away the fact that my cousin didn't hear because she had some hearing damage. We resumed our catching up and I relaxed more when no sirens or further screams came up. About three weeks later, another uncle on my father's side was killed in a car accident. On the same day, when me, my cousin and her two kids had a near-death experience, with a storm blowing down a power cable on our car. So this woman is definitely a thing in my family line, and she clearly took a liking to me in particular. That or no one else openly talks about their experiences, which is possible, even likely. It's hard to talk about the woman and even harder to experience. It's nearly impossible to process an omen like her, because how do you talk to your loved ones about it without it looking like you're making all these deaths about you? How do you talk to anyone without sounding completely insane? But it's not about me. Or at least not in the way one would think. The people I've told about her always jump to conclusions that she's evil, literally bringing me death. But to me, despite her grin when she crashed my dream, she's just a messenger, giving me time to brace for the shock of a death to come. And to be honest, she's not the worst thing I've experienced. I don't really think she's there to give me the opportunity to prevent or change anything, only possibly my reaction to an unforeseen loss. Like with my friend's death. I believe I got the first knock the night she had first made that fateful decision and nothing any of us did after that to help her with the incredibly deep and dark depression she suffered from could or would change her mind. We had done everything we could to help, knowing she was going through a dark time, but she had hidden her decision from us for weeks while she executed her plan. We knew this due to how she died. Having that sense of knowing that I did do my best but couldn't save her gave me a sense of solace I definitely know I wouldn't have had otherwise. As you can see though, the woman behaves like a banshee but then also breaks several rules. The only thing that's left to note is that she screamed at me the first time after I realised the Robert the Bruce connection and I suspect because of it, like me recognising my distant connection to any sort of Irish roots, allowed her to act like the banshee she is. I think she showed herself as a woman to my mother and cousin because they're not as familiar with banshee lore as I was back then, little as my understanding was at the time. My feeling is that the woman was so glad to finally scream as is her want that she smiled as she did it, not from glee at the news but from the joy of tapping into her true being. Or maybe she's my great-grandmother or some other ancestor, or maybe given the set of vocal cords that our family is blessed with, maybe it's both. Maybe the women in our family line become banshees when we die. Just kidding. I hope. 
I like using my voice, but running around scaring people half to death with my screams does not sound like my idea of a fun afterlife. Sounds like my idea of the ideal afterlife as somebody who has frequently been referred to or described as loud and sometimes obnoxious. I I feel like running around scaring people half to death with my screams sounds like a pretty standard day for me and therefore pretty standard afterlife. I'm here for it. This was such an interesting story, Misha. Like I initially when I was reading it, I was like, A, who's Prince Alfred? So I had to like Google who Prince Alfred was because I, I my knowledge of British royals is limited. And so for anybody who's wondering, Prince Alfred bopped off to South Africa in about 1840. And as you rightly say, I do not doubt that that, that man probably had a whale of a time when he was away in South Africa. So no part of me doubts your family lineage at all. And I and then I was like, I don't understand how it would be a banshee. There's no Irish connection. And then you, you hit us with the with the absolute gem that Robert the Bruce was related to Dermot McMurkata and Brian Baru or Dermot McMurray, if you want the English translation. And, you know, a lot of people listening might not know their Irish history, but Brian Baru was a High King of Ireland and Dermot McMurray, I think, was a High King of Leinster at one point, which is a region of Ireland. So, of course, that connection would make sense. But I do wonder if there's two separate things going on here. If there is a banshee attached to your family, of course, but if there's also women of your family line who have passed away who also come back for to give warnings. Because I've never heard of a story of a banshee speaking. So I wonder if in those instances it was actually family members past, like the woman who was sitting on the edge of the bed looking like a lady, looking really dignified. Is that also a family member who has passed? Because I think these things, you know, are not necessarily mutually exclusive. You can have something ancient attached to your family and also have family members who come back to give warnings, who come back to see people, whatever it is. And I think, Misha, it is so correct to point out what you did, which is that the Banshee isn't an evil entity. In fact, she's all, she's just quite neutral as far as I know. And she comes to give a warning. She doesn't cause death. She doesn't bring death. She doesn't do anything like that. She just gives a warning. She's just saying, hey, just a heads up. Something shit is coming your way. And it isn't anything more than that. I posted something recently on TikTok. I mean, like a couple of months ago about the Banshee and the, the old Irish names that the Banshee is attached to, etc, etc. And the amount of clearly well-intentioned but misguided comments that I received about how you know people saying my family has had so much bad luck we've had so much terrible things happen to us so we've clearly got a banshee attached to us and I was like oh no 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 no. she doesn't she doesn't bring bring any badness she just she's just there to give a warning that's it it also sounds like your family lineage is really interesting on both sides of your family I would love to know if you have more of a deep dive if there's another Irish connection or something along those lines, I just would love to know. And just in general, we all love a good Banshee story. So thank you so much to Misha for sending in your story. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.